Hello and welcome to our podcast, our worship service remote for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston and Plains United Methodist Church of Plains, Pennsylvania. Our scripture readings for later this morning are Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16, and Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Also, the scripture for the children's message will be from Matthew 25 as well, but will just be verses 31 through 33. I am Reverend Tenny Hutchinson Rupnick, and my email address is tenhutrup at gmail.com. That's T-E-N-H-U-T-R-U-P at gmail.com. Please send me any prayer requests you have, but let me know if they're private in nature or if it's okay to share them on next week's podcast so that your church family can be praying for you. Our prayer requests for our charge for this week are for Tia, for Heidi, who is recovering from surgery, and Sharon, who is recovering from surgery, for Mark, for the family of Martha Linsky, for the Williamses, for folks in our church family who are dealing with loneliness, and little Nate Gray, who is fighting cancer, also Rebecca, who is fighting cancer, and for all our healthcare workers and first responders, all our governmental and civic leaders. Today is Christ the King Sunday, November 22nd, 2020. Our first hymn for this morning is number 139 in our hymnal and is entitled, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to his temple draw near. Join me in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord, who o'er all things so wondrously reigning bears the on eagle's wings air in his keeping maintaining god's care enfolds all whose true good he upholds hast thou not known his sustaining Praise to the Lord who doth prosper the work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do, who with his love doth befriend thee. Praise to the Lord who doth nourish thy life and restore thee fitting thee well for the tasks that are ever before thee then to thy need god as a mother doth speed spreading the wings of grace o'er thee praise to the lord oh let all that is in me adore him all that hath life and breath come now with praises before him let the amen 
sound from his people again, gladly forever adore him. Our gathering meditation is from Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Our call to worship. The Lord is our King. Our God is robed in majesty. The Lord is our King. Our Christ is crowned with strength. God established the world, it shall never be moved. On high, our God reigns. Our God reigns forevermore. Please join with me now in our prayer for invocation. Holy One, enthroned in glory over all creation, you are a shepherd to the lost and to the least. Teach us to see your face among the poor, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, and visiting those who are sick or in prison, so that we may share in your eternal realm prepared from the foundation of the world, through Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Our second hymn this morning is number 327 in the hymnal and is entitled, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns, all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Crown him the Lord of life, who triumphed o'er the grave, and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save. His glories now we sing, who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring, and lives that death may die. Crown him the Lord of peace, whose power a scepter sways, from pole to pole that wars may cease, and hope and all be power and praise his reign shall know no end and round his pierced feet fair flowers of paradise extend their fragrance ever sweet crown him the lord of love Behold his hands and side, those wounds yet visible above, in beauty glorified. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Thy praise and glory shall not fail through 
throughout eternity. Join together with me now in our confession of faith as we recite the Apostles' Creed. Let us say what we believe and believe what we say. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. And now is the time for our children's message. Our scripture for today is from a book of the Bible called Matthew. Listen to the words. Jesus said to the people, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. How many of you think you can tell a sheep from a goat? I wish I could be with you today because if I was in front of you, I could hold up a bunch of pictures of sheep and goats for you to try and tell them apart. And you might be surprised to see that it's not all that easy to tell the difference sometimes. It's not always as easy as we might think to be able to tell them apart. But here are a few hints that might help. The easiest way to tell a goat from a sheep is that a goat's tail usually sticks up in the air, but a sheep's tail hangs down. Also, if sheep have horns, they are usually curved. A goat's horns are more straight. Sheep usually have fluffy wool that poofs up, while goats have flatter hair that's less fluffy. Do you think Jesus can tell sheep from the goats? Well, that's what our Bible lesson is about today. One day, Jesus was speaking to a group of people about the day when the Son of Man would come in all his glory. Son of Man was a nickname or a title Jesus used for himself. Jesus said to those listening that the Son of Man would, that is that he, Jesus, would, separate the people who were like sheep from the people who were like goats. How would Jesus know the difference between the people? Well, Jesus went on to explain how he would know. Jesus said that the people who were like sheep did the right things, the loving things. That the people like sheep would give a drink to someone who was thirsty and food to someone who was hungry and that they would offer a place to stay to those who did not have a place to stay. Jesus said that the people who were good and loving would give clothes to those who needed them and would help those who were sick and would visit those who were in prison. And then, Jesus said that the people who were like goats did the wrong things, the selfish things. 
that the people like goats would not give a drink to the thirsty and that they would not give food to the hungry and that they would not give someone a place to stay. Jesus went on to say that the people who did the wrong and selfish things would not give clothes to those who needed them, nor would they help those who are sick, nor would they visit anyone who is in prison. And Jesus said that the selfish people will be punished, but the good ones will go into eternal life with him in heaven. What do you think Jesus is saying through this story? The point of what Jesus is saying is this. If we truly love Jesus, if we're truly followers of Jesus, we will show love for others as Jesus shows love to us. That is how Jesus can tell his people from the people who aren't really following him and aren't loving him. When Jesus looks into our hearts and sees our loves, our love for others, then he can truly tell us apart. He clearly sees and can easily tell who belongs with him in heaven and who doesn't. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, help us to show love for other people as you show love to us. And all God's children say, Amen. Our prayer for illumination. Almighty and everlasting God, you are the giver of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It is your will to restore all things to Christ, whom you have anointed priest forever and ruler of creation. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, and teach us to know the hope to which you have called us, so that we might learn to see you in the face of those in need around us. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is from Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the watercourses, and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountains, mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in the good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture in the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Our Gospel reading is Matthew twenty-five thirty-one through 46 And Jesus is speaking to the people when he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. 
I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'd like to start out our time together with a story. But first I have to set the scene of a favorite movie of mine, a movie called Joy Luck Club. Joy Luck Club was actually a book before it was a movie, a book written by a Chinese-American author named Amy Tan. It was a bestseller, and then in 1993 it was made into a movie. And Joy Luck Club is one of those movies that isn't for everyone. And the main reason for this, in my opinion, is that there's just too much going on. Too many characters in the movie, too many storylines going on and all at the same time. There's just too much going on, and this gets confusing for some people. But we don't have to worry about all those plot lines. We don't have to worry about all those characters and details. All we need to know for our purposes today is that the movie is about mothers and daughters. Mothers who grew up in China and their daughters whom they raised after immigrating to America. Oh, and another good thing to remember, just a detail that will tie in later, is that when the Chinese eat at a shared traditional meal together, they pass main courses. And when the course reaches them with their chopsticks, they take only one or two pieces of beef or chicken, of broccoli or of crab meat, for example, from this platter or from that platter, and they add it to their plate, just a couple of pieces with their chopsticks. In other words, they don't tend to scoop large servings of everything in a dish onto their plates in the way that we also often do. Okay, to set the scene. So at this traditional Chinese dinner party that's taking place in America are two young women, Women who had grown up in the America that their mothers and fathers had immigrated to years ago. The one woman is successful and polished. She has beautiful clothes and an impressive boyfriend and a great career. She's confident and poised, laser focused on her own life and a little haughty. She sails into the scene talking about herself and expecting and receiving admiration and praise. The other young woman, on the other hand, is more shy. 
She's quiet and sweet and reserved. She's perhaps less impressive in a way in her normal clothes and with her normal hair and with no accomplished man at her side. Her job is more average and she doesn't draw attention to herself. She just is. And she is a bit intimidated by the other young woman across the table. Now, these two young ladies have grown up together. Their parents are lifelong friends, but they've never really had very much in common. They don't get along. The quiet one, named June, watches the polished one from across the table, and June is feeling self-conscious and low. She's comparing herself to the other woman and finding herself coming up short. And as we watch the scene, we as the audience know just how June is feeling because we've all been there before. The dinner party winds down. It, it took place at June's mother's house. And we see June helping her mother clear the table and start cleaning up in the kitchen. June's mother is struggling with cellophane as she covers dishes. She's busy while her daughter starts to scrape and rinse. But as June's mother works, she notices her daughter is not herself and they begin to talk. And as they talk, it comes out that June feels less accomplished and less impressive than the other young woman at the table. And it comes out that June feels she is a disappointment to her family, and especially perhaps to her mother. She feels overshadowed and outshone by the other woman. She feels like a failure, and like she is, in a way, invisible. And to her mother, June says something to the effect of, I wish you could see me. Me. And her mother? She falls quiet for a bit. Then she says, I see you. I see you. She looks for a long time at her daughter's face, keeping eye contact. I see you. And then she makes a point about June's way of choosing her food when the main courses were passed around, when she says to her daughter, when that bad crab was passed around, only you try to take it. Everybody else want best quality. You, you thinking different. While everyone else take best quality crab, you take worst. Because you, you have best quality heart. I see you. June's mother was saying to her, while everyone else takes the best for themselves, you leave the best for others because your heart, your spirit is of the very best quality. The best quality heart. In our scripture for this morning, Jesus is making a point by talking of sheep and of goats. Jesus is talking about the Son of Man, that is, Jesus is talking about himself, as separating the flock he leads into those who get eternal life with him in heaven and those who do not, those who have earned punishment instead. And it's a wordy passage. It's perhaps a bit hard to follow, like the Joy Luck Club movie can be, I guess. And I think it's that way because, like the movie, there's just a lot going on in it. Because in it, the Son of Man, the Great Shepherd, separates the sheep, those who are given eternal life, from the goats, those who aren't. And he says a whole lot of things. He talks about hunger and thirst and loneliness and vulnerability. He talks about illness and bondage. And first, the Son of Man says to those who have done well, come this way, there is a special place in the kingdom of heaven reserved just for you. 
Then later, he talks about all those things again. He speaks of hunger and thirst and of loneliness and vulnerability. He talks about illness and bondage. But this time, and secondly, the Son of Man says to those who have not done as they should, You are accursed. Depart from me to be eternally punished. And the interesting thing, the thing that caught my attention and my imagination, was that both the sheep and the goats ask the very same question of the shepherd after that. They both ask the same thing. You see, after Jesus told them that they had helped those who were hungry, thirsty, lonely, vulnerable, ill, or in bondage, or after Jesus told them that they did not help all of those, in both cases, the sheep and the goats, well, they say pretty much the same thing in reply as they ask, Lord, when was it that we did these things? Lord, when was it that we did these things? Did you ever get in trouble and were just totally perplexed as to why? There are times, I think, when we have all been called out or scolded, when we have said and then in essence, what? What did I do? I remember a time when I was a girl and my family and I were rafting on the Pucky Ann. The Pucky Ann is a swift little stream that flows through my grandmother's land in Wisconsin. It was summer at the time. We were mostly all on the water. We kids were having an absolute blast. And the water was really moving and I was getting up some speed, which as you might know, can be hard to do on a raft. And I was ferociously paddling with my cupped hands so that I could go even more and more quickly. My cousins were behind me. Their mom and dad, my aunt and uncle, were way behind me. And I was lost in the moment as I paddled and paddled and paddled and went faster and faster and faster. And I still clearly remember my uncle sounding as cross and as mean as I ever heard him. And he could sound cross and mean sometimes, let me tell you. I still clearly remember him hollering at me, Good grief, Tenny, slow down and think of other people for a change. I was shocked. I felt an immediate and deep shame. My excitement and fun hissed out of me like air from a compromised balloon. I didn't know what I did or where that scolding came from. Looking back on it now, now that I've been a parent and I'm a bit wiser, I hope, I'm guessing that I was pulling ahead on that choppy water and that my uncle was losing sight of me and had four kids to keep track of and that it was nervousness and fear that caused him to snap. But at the time, I didn't understand. I was just crushed. I didn't get it. Uncle, I do think about others. What was it that I did? When was it that I did this bad thing? Or was there a time instead when you were approved of and rewarded and were shocked and surprised? I have a quick personal example for that one, too. In seminary, as I've mentioned before, I had to take Greek, and I was sure I wouldn't pass. I was positive I would fail, in fact. The work was very difficult, and it seemed like others got it more easily, and I was behind. My test scores were good enough, but there was a terrifying high percentage final that was ahead of us. I felt constantly stressed and like the axe was going to fall at any moment. So one day in Greek class, we were told by our professor that a distance had grown in the class between those who were getting it and could use deeper instruction and more of a challenge. 
and those who weren't understanding and needed to backtrack and review the material. In other words, we were being put on our professor's right and his left as the sheep and the goats, called into the good group and the not-so-great group, and my stomach clenched. And you know what? I bet you already guessed it. I was put into the group with the more advanced and who I saw as more clever students. I was honestly stunned. So surprised, in fact, that I went to my professor about it after class to talk to him because I was sure that some mistake had been made. In that moment, I could have easily said, Professor, what is it that I did? When is it that I did the supposedly good thing? And I remember that he listened to what I actually did say, which I don't remember. And then he smiled. And he said to me something to the effect of, Tenny, you're in the right group. Greek isn't easy for anyone, but you work and you care and you are getting it. So these sheep and these goats in our passage, they have just heard from their shepherd, their master, their king. You over there to my right, you're being rewarded. And you there to my left, you are being punished. And they both have the same response to that. Lord, when was it that we did these things? Yeah, they both have the same response. They both ask the same question. They both pose the same query, if you will. But, and this is my point, they're asking the same question for very different reasons and in very different ways. Did you catch that? They are asking the same question for different reasons and in different ways. And they are asking it for different reasons and in different ways because of the difference in the quality of their hearts. Because of the difference in the quality of their hearts and the difference in the quality of their spirits. You see the goats, those who are in big trouble and facing punishment, they are saying, hey man, I didn't earn this punishment. What did I do? If this is a test, it's not fair. You didn't give me time to prepare. I had no study guide to follow. And I want, to show, I want you to show me how I failed to make the grade, so to speak. When, Lord, did I not do what I could have done? When and to whom? But the sheep? When they ask the question, there is no demanding and there is no fuss. They are genuinely perplexed, confused, because the sheep have the best quality of heart the most humble and unassuming kind of spirit. So when they ask, they are genuinely confused. They say, when did we do these good and worthwhile things? Why are we being rewarded? They are asking because they genuinely do not keep credit or keep score of their actions. They ask because they genuinely have humility. They ask because, unlike the goats, the sheep do not keep a list of their successes or failures and are not in any way trying to earn their way into acceptance or into favor or into relationship or into love. They just do the good things. They just do the right things. They just do good and not harm. They help and truly see others. They give a hand to those who need it. They recognize and do something about the hunger and the thirst they see and the loneliness and the vulnerability around them and the illness and bondage that seems to be always somehow present. They see all this and do all this because they have the best quality heart. Was there a time when one of the sheep gave a few coins to the beggar at the city gates? Yes, of course. 
but that wasn't recorded by her on some ledger or proudly recalled at some dinner party. It was done quietly, and it was done from here, tapping my chest, a very best quality heart filled with love. Was there a time when another sheep invited an elder over for a good meal or shared some water with another traveler on a hot, dusty trip? Why, yes. Happens all the time with that one. But he doesn't keep track and doesn't want credit. He gives and helps because it feels right, because it comes from here, tapping on my chest, a best quality heart filled with hope. A time when that other sheep went to take a couple fresh garments to the men sitting in a Roman jail cell? Yes, she did. But not because she was trying to buy her way into God's favor, but because her heart and spirit told her it was the good and right thing to do, because she wanted to, and because it came from here, yes, tapping on my chest, a best quality heart that is filled with peace. And because of that high, that best quality of her fine, fine heart, and because of that high, that best quality of his fine, fine spirit, they show their shepherd, the Lord, their king, that they will be at home with him in heaven. Period. Now I'm almost there. I'm almost to the end. But before I finish up, I just want to ask you why you think that this passage is one of the ones that's supposed to be preached for today of all days, Christ the King Sunday. Yeah, that's right, it is. I haven't forgotten it or overlooked it. Why this passage today? A passage more about a common shepherd than a king, a passage about sheep and goats, a passage about eternal rewards and eternal judgment. I think it is simply because of this. It is an important reminder. A reminder that we are the subjects, the servants of a Savior, of a God, of our King. A Savior, the God, and our King who does not care for the supposed wealth found in things or the supposed worth found in prestige and or power. A reminder that our Christ the King does not see all of that worldly clutter and mess, but that instead, like June's mother, our Lord and King does really see us. Really sees us. Really looks into our hearts and says, I see you. And that our Lord and King is not only concerned with what we give up, but what we give up for the sake of others. Our Lord and King is only concerned with a best quality heart. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our final hymn, or second to the last, I guess, hymn for this morning is number 715 in the hymnal and is entitled Rejoice. The Lord is King. And I'll be reading this one. I'm not familiar with the tune. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Your Lord and King adore. Mortals give thanks and sing and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart. Fill up your voice. Rejoice. Again I say, rejoice. Jesus the Savior reigns, the God of truth and love. When he had purged our stains, our stains, he took his seat above. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice. Rejoice again, I say, rejoice. His kingdom cannot fail. He rules o'er earth and heaven. 
The keys of earth and hell are to our Jesus given. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in glorious hope. Jesus, the judge, shall come and take his servants up to their eternal home. We soon shall hear the archangel's voice. The thrump of God shall sound rejoice. At this point in our podcast, we remember our call to support our churches with our time, our talents, and our treasure. Just as our Almighty God gave entirely of God's self for our sakes, we are likewise called to give up of ourselves for the sake of others. Let us pray. Abundant God, prophecy says that you are coming with the clouds for every eye to see. Until that day, may the offerings that we bring each week do the holy work of making your reign real in this community and for this world in need. And all God's children say, Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. Amen. And now as we have so gathered, not together in body physically, but still together as the body of Christ, let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our heads before our Creator, Sustainer, and Lord in prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. When we call, answer us. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. Come and listen to us. Merciful God, full of grace. Hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence. Holy God, we come before you acknowledging you as king of our lives and inviting you to reign supreme in our world. So often we are tempted to feel as if you are distant, and it is then that the arrogant and evil forces begin to reign and to rule in our hearts and lives. Because you came preaching a kingdom of love, and yet our world is full of hatred. You called yourself the Prince of Peace, and yet wars and rumors of wars are all around. You promised that your kingdom would be the end to all tears and suffering and heartache, and yet we become overwhelmed by the poverty and the brokenness and the grief that surrounds us all. You came saying that your kingdom had come near, but all too often it seems as if your coming has been delayed indefinitely. Help us, holy God, to be more faithful, to have more trust, to have less doubt. Teach us, holy God, to have no king but you. Remind us to build the new Jerusalem Help us to establish your reign of love. Make us ambassadors of your kingdom. Strengthen us and empower us to be salt and light, agents of reconciliation and redemption and love. We give ourselves entirely to you. 
Have your way, O God. Be our king. May your kingdom come. May your kingdom come in us. May your kingdom come through us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, the reigning Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our last hymn for this morning is number 157, Jesus Shall Reign. Jesus shall reign, where'er the sun does successive journeys run. His kingdom spread from shore to shore, till moons shall wax and wane no more. To Jesus endless prayer be made, and endless praises crown his head. His name, like sweet perfume, shall rise with every morning sacrifice. People and realms of every tongue dwell on his love with sweetest song, and infant voices shall proclaim their earthly blessings on his name. Blessings abound where'er he reigns. All prisoners leap and loose their chains. The weary find eternal rest, and all who suffer want are blessed. Let every creature rise and bring honors peculiar to our King. Angels descend with songs again, and earth repeat the loud Amen. Please join with me together now as we say the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born into eternal life. Amen. It is not enough to call Jesus Christ our King. Our mission is to make his kingdom a reality. The way to do this is, as best we can, to love as he loved. May we go forth now in this our task, and may God give us the strength we need to make it our way of living. Amen. Shalom to you now. Shalom, my friends. May God's full mercies bless you, my friends. In all your living, through your loving, Christ be your shalom, Christ be your shalom.